Well, good. We want to get right into the Word of God this morning. Amen. I will take up our discipleship offering this morning. Amen. We want Brother DeMuth to come and minister. God bless this service. Bless the man of God this morning. Touch him, Lord. Give him wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of your word. Bless your people this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And then in 1 Timothy 1, it says, tells us to stir up the gift of God that is in us. And so I kind of had those kind of pop into my mind as I was praying before this service and and I got to thinking about uh, you know how I came to know the Lord and it was by his word being preached it was initially by somebody sharing the gospel which is the the fact that that the Lord loves me and that he gave himself for me and that I had an opportunity to receive this precious gift of the Holy Ghost and all those things, but it was really the Word of God was planted in my heart, and and it might have been one service and two services or ten services, but the Word was being planted and it was working, and uh, and so you know that Scripture says that that all those great things about the Word of God that it's quick and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword that it's able to divide asunder of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. But if if I just set this book on my coffee table or somewhere in my house or in the back deck of my car, and I never open it and I never put that word in me, yeah, it has the capability of doing all those things, but it's not going to do a, a thing for me or you or whoever. I mean, we got bookstores, we, we got... They're they're in the, on the bookshelf back in the back of Walmart. There's all kinds of Bibles, but there's people walking right past it. And it's, it's doing nothing for them because it never gets the wrapper taken off of it. They never look in it and see what it... So this Word, it, it has all those properties, but it's got to get in us. And I, when I read that Scripture in First Timothy, stir up the gift of God that's in you, to me that's what it means. When you stir something up, you, you, if you're making soup, you stick a spoon down in there and you start moving it around. It's, it's an action that takes place. And so we, in order to, for me, in order to stir up the gift of God that's in me, I gotta get the Word in me. I gotta get myself stirred up. And I, I can't be challenged unless I have this Word in me. Right? And so we, we gotta have this Word. And that's why this is so important. Amen. It was the word that saved us. It's the word that's going to keep us. The washing of, of the water by the word, the Bible says. And so I need the word in me to wash over me. I need to hear it like I did this week at camp. I need to hear it from this man of God. I need to hear it every chance I get. I mean, I need to stay in it and keep digging. Amen. And if you, if you're digging in your backyard and you hit, you see a little puddle of oil 
pop up in the middle of your backyard, you're going to keep digging. <laughs> you, you might have a Beverly Hillbillies moment. You might strike black gold. You might, you might never have to work another day in your life. So you got to keep digging because, you know, one more shovelful and you might hit that, that oil spout. But if you stop right there, you missed it and it's sitting right there in your backyard. Amen. And so this word is quick and powerful today. And I believe God is doing some things in our life. We're talking about, Lord, teach us to pray. And, and for those that weren't here, we just to kind of briefly go over this real quick, we, we're going to read out of Luke 11 here in just a minute. But uh, the disciples that were the followers, the, the men that followed Jesus around for three and a half years and were basically the guys that really started and kicked all this off that we know as Pentecost, in this apostolic way, they were asking him, Lord, teach us to pray. He was, you know, he was putting a lot into them every day, if you're thinking about it. Every step he took, everything he said, every action that he did was a teachable moment for them. And he was trying, and if you read the Bible in the New Testament, there was a lot of times it says that basically in, in our common vernacular, they didn't get it. He, he'd teach something and they wouldn't, and they were just as dumbfounded as the rest of the people. They didn't get it, so he had to come over to the side and explain some stuff to them. And so they needed to be taught, and they knew they needed to be taught, and so they came to him and asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And he did exactly that. Amen. And so kind of the gist of what I was getting into the first week was that we got to have a teachable spirit. we we got to be willing to be teachable and not think that we got it all together and that we've arrived and that we, we don't need anybody to teach us anything. I got this. The minute we get that kind of attitude, we're just shutting him down. You know, and that's my desire is that I remain teachable. Amen. Even men like Brother Bernard that was there with us this week, he didn't actually say it, but I, what I drew out of one of the, the messages that he taught was that he was kind of saying, I still need to be teachable. He's, he's over two colleges and he's over the United Pentecostal Church and, and he, but he's still to, at a place where he can still learn something about this book that we're, that we're studying. He can still gain insight and wisdom and knowledge and understanding. We need all those things. So if we could go to Luke 11, and one real quick, we'll just read that, and then I'll get going here. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, Jesus was always praying. He was, he was teaching them a lesson by doing it, without saying, come on, guys, let's go pray. He would just go off to a private place and pray. So there's a lot of teachable moments where not a word is spoken. But if we're observant to what's going on around us, we can learn from events and things that are happening right before our eyes so that while he was praying in a certain place when he ceased one of his disciples said unto him lord teach us to pray and john as john taught his disciples and he said unto them when you pray say our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on as in heaven so in earth give us this day our daily bread and go on. And forgive us our sins, for we we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
And we, the Lord didn't give them a, a sheet of paper with a prayer on it to pray. He said, okay, guys, go repeat this everywhere you go. He didn't do that. He gave them a pattern. We talked about God as a God of patterns and principles. And so he gave them a pattern whereby they were to pray. And so the Lord kind of prompted me to teach this and break it down because he's really been breaking it down to me. And it's really been transforming how I pray. Amen. And, it, you know, you, you sometimes you get down to pray and you think, well, I've prayed everything on my list. And, man, 15 minutes hasn't even passed by yet. Well, if you pray like this, if you pray according to this pattern, you could be there for hours because as you pray and with this pattern in mind, it just stirs up all kinds of things to pray for. You know, and, and it really will transform. It's it's doing it for me. So hopefully it'll help help us in our prayer life. Amen. Because one of the other things I alluded to last week is that this church that we are a part of is the same church that was born in the book of Acts. We are the same church. You know, you've probably heard it said for years, there's no the end or anything at the end of the book of Acts. It just kind of wide open. It just keeps going. And so we are the book of Acts church. So this church that we're a part of was born in prayer. And everything they did, and this was alluded to even at camp, if you get to watch those DVDs, they talked about it. This church was, they went breaking bread, fellowship from house to house in prayer. And so the, everything they did was was as a result or the fruit of prayer. So it wasn't by their human effort that they did it. They realized it was something way bigger than they were. And so it was born out of a prayer meeting in an upper room. And the, the Lord commanded them before they left, go pray until the promise of the Father. And majority of us in this room, without I probably without fail, had to be in prayer when we, when the Lord finally prompted us to let go of the pew in front of us and walk to the front or wherever it was we were in our house or wherever to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And everything is born out of prayer. Amen. When we have a, a, a lost loved one and we've heard testimonies for years about people that have come, in, come to God long after their praying grandmother's been gone for 20 years. The prayers of that praying grandmother was what brought that person into church. So prayer is the key to everything. So he, the Lord put into us, he, you know, the Bible talks about us as his vessels, his clay vessels, his clay pots. He put this, this gift that we have in earthen vessels. Amen. And he made us to be the, the vessels by which he brings about the revival of this world and, and the bringing of souls. It was from an individual that talked to us, that prayed to God before they came and talked to man that led us to this truth by whatever means or whatever form. God used human agency to bring us to, to Christ. And that's his plan, to use man. Right? That's what he did on the day of Pentecost. And so out of our bellies... The Bible says it's supposed to flow rivers, plural, rivers of living water. Not just one river, but rivers. And those rivers are, are 
things like, to me, their compassion and mercy and the love of God and, and all this, the, the flow of His Spirit is supposed to flow out of us, those gifts. And, and that's what people see and that's what people recognize when they see us, when we're walking in the Spirit, when that flow is happening, when, and when He is flowing out of us, when that Word is in us, and He is flowing out of us, that's what they see. That's what they feel when we walk in a room. It's not us, it's Him. Amen. And so, you know, it's not just a one-time occurrence. It's something that, you know, we don't just pray when we get the Holy Ghost and then we don't pray anymore. We, we've got to have a prayer life. And so what's the purpose of prayer? So I can tell you what the purpose of prayer isn't. And actually, if we go to Matthew 6, verse 5 through 8, Jesus actually tells us what prayer isn't. And it says, And when, they, when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love prayer to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray that the, to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which, is in, which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask Him. So it's not about trying to persuade God to do something for us like a personal need. It's not about trying to twist God's arm and, and say, God, I need this. God, I need that. God, me, 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 me. Because what does that scripture say? He knows what we have need of. So we don't have to even pray for ourselves because he already knows what we have need of. I, the way I like to pray in, in that vein is, God, you already know what I have need of. That's what your word says. So there's some things you already know about in my life. Just take care of it. And now I'm going to focus on praying outside of myself. And if we follow this pattern, it will lead us to that anyway. Amen? So, you know, we're not trying to persuade God to do something that was already his idea in the first place. You know, we're not trying to, to change God's mind necessarily. We're just trying to pray his will into existence. That scripture says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And I'm getting ahead of myself. So the problem that the Lord has is not finding, is that he has is finding people that are willing to truly pray those things, his will, into the world. Prayer is God's predetermined method to bring his will to pass on the earth. He needs us as human agency to do that. Amen. If he could just go around us, he just would. And he wouldn't need us to pray. And we could just be little Pentecostal robots and just come in here and do the same thing every Sunday. And, and we would never have to worry about being lost. But that's not how he did it. So he has, as, as has already been stated, the church was birthed in prayer. Paul speaks of prayer throughout his writings. He spoke of the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. He, he spoke of praying with all prayer and supplication for all saints. He spoke of continuing being continuing instant in prayer, he told the church about prayer as warfare in Ephesians 6. So when we don't pray in faith, exercising our faith in, and this is the way I look at it, we exercise our faith 
in God's faithfulness. Because it's really his faithfulness that performs all these things. But we've got to pray in faith, believing that he's going to do it. Amen? If we don't believe the things that we're speaking into the world, it's almost like we're making God look weak. We're just praying an empty prayer, and we don't really believe what we're saying. And we're just mumbling some words, and in the back of our mind we're going, I don't know, he never answered me before. We make God look weak. Amen. And so we've got to we've got to get ourselves to the place where we can, you know, the Bible says that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. Right. So, so we've got to get these these ideas of, of when we're praying about stuff that's just so outside of the realm of even possibility that it even we just think it even blow God's mind. You know, we've got to get a vision that big. Amen. You know, we've got to get a vision of having a building that you could put ten of these buildings in. And then some. And having all the parking for that. We've got to get a vision like that that's way, way outside. Of, because if, when I said that just now, some of you thought, that'll never happen. <laughs> Somebody in here did. <laughs> not here in La Crosse. Why not? Why not? There's a guy in, in a little town in Indiana. I was reading in the forward or one of those magazines. Town population is 2,000 people. 2,000 people. And he went there to start a home missions work. I don't know how long ago. It's not very long. And he's got a church that will seat about 500 people. And he's probably got the largest church in town. He's probably pulling people from other towns around there. So in a town of 2,000 people, that's what God's doing. Amen. So he can do anything. He can do anything. If we'll just set our mind to say, God, I can, I'll believe you for this big. If, you'll just, if he just does half of that, it'll still blow our mind. So prayer is so important that if, if someone doesn't intercede and weep for the souls of our family, our neighbor, our school, our state, our nation, God will not save a soul in that place. He's not just going to come in here in lacrosse and just start saving people if we don't do anything. Right? If we just have kids and just stick them in a room and say, raise yourself, are they going to do a good job of that? No. They need guidance. They need teaching. They need somebody to raise them. They need something, some, some influence in their life to bring them to a place. And so these people in the city of La Crosse, or you can name any city, any town, any state, any country, they need somebody there. We have missionaries that go to, to countries that with nothing. They have no building. They have nothing. And they start a work for God. Amen. And they depend on God to be there to, to bring it about. And how do they do that? Through prayer. It's not something we do on just on an occasion or our certain scheduled time. It's it's like breathing. It's something we do all day long, every day. You know, Paul said, pray without ceasing. What does that mean? What does without ceasing mean? Without stopping. Like breathing all day long. Amen. He doesn't go. He doesn't. Hang out when you pray and then go back to his bedroom whenever we stop praying. He's he's God. He's all day long. He's there. He's all around you. Waiting to tell you some stuff. Waiting to hear hear, hear you exercise your faith in prayer. God, I don't know if this is possible, but I'm believing you for 
boom, fill in the blank. So they weren't just praying some mundane prayer in Acts 2 and 42 when the Bible says that they continued in fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayer. They, they realized that what just happened to them was monumental and, and that the Lord was wanting to see that continue. So they were definitely praying some interceding prayer. They were definitely praying like they were praying in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. Because they were, if that was me, I'd want that to happen again. <laughs> if that can happen to us in an upper room and the three other thousand people were added after that, man, I want to see that happen again, God. If you can do that once, you can do that twice, you can do it again. And, the, and that scripture in, in Acts 2 says, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. They weren't just some exclusive little group of guys. It was all because of prayer. They had to pray too. There's some conditions that, that we have to meet that come along with this life of prayer. Number one, it's, it's going to have to be an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus. And I'm going to give you some scriptures. I'm not going to go to them, but I'll just give you a scripture or two for each one of these. An intimate, personal relationship with Jesus. John 15, verse 4 through 5. You can read, really, John 15, almost the whole chapter. But um, number two is going to be childlike faith in the Father. And the scripture for that one is Matthew 6 and 8. And it says, Be not therefore like unto men, for your Father knoweth the things you have need of before you ask him. We're going to have to have a complete childlike faith that he's got our situation. We might not have all the things we want, but he's going to take care of the things we need. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, the Bible says, nor his seed begging bread. And I can tell you for myself and my wife personally, in 27 plus years of serving God in this truth, there's never been a time that we've had a, a, need, a want Really a want for anything. We haven't always had everything we wanted, but he's always taken care of us. He is always taking care of us. Sometimes down to the last second, but he's always taking care of us. We've got to have that childlike faith that he is in control. We put our life into his hands, so he's got it. We sing that song, God's got it. Right? Complete trust, number three. Complete trust and surrender to the Father. Not only do we have to have childlike faith in the Father, but we've got to completely trust and surrender to the Father. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Some of y'all could quote that. All of y'all better be able to quote it. (laughs) Trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? With all your inner man, with all your being. Trust Him. Trust Him. Number four, we have to have complete confidence that for the child of God, our Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is in control of everything. Not just faith, but confidence. We know that he's in control of everything. John 4, verse 40 and 41. Number five, complete faith in his love for us and his ability to save us, heal us, and keep us. Amen. He's not just going to save us and then walk away and leave us hanging. Galatians 2 and 20 for that one. Number six, constant vigilance to remain in submission and surrender to the Father's authority and to his will. That's a tough one, because we don't want to give up our will. Even after we get the Holy Ghost, sometimes we want to take back control a little bit. We want to put our hand back on the steering wheel just a little bit. Just, just let me help you steer, Daddy. 
Ever had your son say that? Can I sit in, the, in, your, in your lap, Daddy, and steer the car? Yeah, I let my son do that a couple of times. Okay, get out. You know, it's like they, they have no clue. Amen. But we want to help him. If you ever had somebody reach across while you're driving and try to grab the steering wheel, it's a very dangerous thing to do. Right? I used to work with a guy that would want to do stuff while he was driving, and he'd say, reach over here and grab the wheel. In the passenger seat, I have no control over the pedals or anything. I'm like, this guy's gonna, we're gonna wreck. He wanted, you know, I don't know what he was doing, rolling a cigarette or something. I don't know, but it was like he needed both hands. I'm like, D-. I, I wasn't old enough to think, hey, this is wrong. Number, uh, let's see, I said that one. Okay, James four and seven, and Luke fourteen thirty three in that on uh, number six. Number seven is a deep desire to be a part of God's plan and purpose, whatever that part may be, small or great, visible or invisible. And if you notice all these, it's about submitting to Him and His authority and His power and His will for our life. What does the Bible say? We are not our own. We are bought with a price. We don't belong to ourselves. If you know the story of Joseph, when he was sold into slavery, he didn't get to have a say about anything. All he had to, the only thing he could make up his mind to do was be a good servant. And God promoted him in that man's house, in Potiphar's house, as he was faithful. So sometimes God's just calling us to be faithful. The Bible says in the small things, if you'll be faithful, he'll make you ruler over Many things. But first, you got to be faithful in the small things. It doesn't, you can't skip over that part. So our prayer life has to be, is not just about making some petitions and requests to God, but to meet our personal needs. But we are his ambassadors, his representatives, his prayer warriors, just as Israel had to physically go to battle to dispossess their enemies and enter into the promised land. So we are part of his army and spiritual warriors. One of the preachers this week was talking about it. They stood right there across the river and they could see the houses. They could see the vineyards. They could see all that stuff. All they had to do was go kick the enemy out of there. That had already built all those houses and made all those vineyards and made everything possible. All they had to do was kick them out of there and move in. But God wouldn't let them. Why? Because they wanted to be in charge. So he let them wander around for 40 years until that group died off. And then he let them cross over. But that's all they had to do. And so that's what he's waiting for us to do. Second Corinthians 10, 3, uh, 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. We're not going to do this by human effort. Okay? You're not, you, we didn't get saved by human effort. Other than just walking to an altar and repenting and submitting our life to Him, we didn't save ourselves. We had to submit to the Word of God. It said, except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. And it said, repent ye therefore and be converted. And it said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And we saw that. And God opened the door and He opened that, that turned the light on in our mind and our spirit to see that. And we said, aha, I need to do that. I need to obey. The Bible says, for they have not all, all obeyed the gospel. Not, it's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to obey it. You know, one of my sons would say, well, Dad, I heard you say that you wanted me to cut the grass, but I, I forgot when I came home and the grass wasn't cut. Like He needed to obey what I told him. I forgot was not an excuse. 
Amen. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. If we try to fight against the devil without the Lord, we're going to be in trouble. What happened to the seven sons of Sceva? <laughs> they got run off naked. Because the devil said, Paul I know and Jesus I know, but who are you? They had no relationship. That's what the difference was. They were just using the name of Jesus. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. I'm not going to read it, but everything in that scripture is referring to spiritual warfare, to prayer. Once again, that's a pattern of prayer. Amen. The Lord wants us to follow his patterns. It starts with our salvation. It's a pattern. Everything is patterns and principles. You know, we were, I was talking to one of the elder preachers this week, and we were talking about that scripture, line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. He was talking about laying a block wall or putting some brick down. He said you have to put wrong, you have to put your foundation in first, and you have to put one row down. Then you got to string a line and make sure it's straight. Then you, then when that one's straight, then you string another line, and you got to build, put all your bricks so that they follow that line, line upon line. He said line upon line. Otherwise, if you don't, your bricks will go out. They'll come in. They'll be all like this. When you're done, you step back and go, oh, man, now look what I did. All the mortar's dry. And so everything is done for a reason, for a purpose, and for his plan, not ours. So his plan, as I've already alluded to, is to use human agency. Everybody say, that's me. I don't know if that was everybody. That's me. Okay. That's, that sounded better. He's got to have us to you, to be able to speak and release his will and plan into the earth. He's not just going to do it. He did that the first time. He spoke the world into existence. He spoke everything. And it's by the same spoken word that it's going to happen again. And he's given us, the Bible said that Jesus was given when he was ascended. He, had, he was set on the right hand of the Father and he was given all power and authority and dominion in the earth. Well, where do you think our power and authority comes from? Him. That's what we're using. We're using His authority and power to bind and to loose and to cast out demons and heal the sick. And we're using His authority. It's nothing we're doing. We're just stepping, we're just laying hands on somebody when we pray for the sick and we're anointing them with oil. But God's the one doing the healing. We're just being obedient. We're just being the human agency to bring it about. And so there's... Um, the instructions that were given to the disciples, then as, as to us now in Matthew 6 and in Luke 1, are very specific. We are praying in cooperation with what he wants us and desires for us to accomplish in the earth. The instructions given uh, in what is commonly called the Lord's Prayer are divided into three parts. The first part is called kingdom praying, and it consists of the following. The first one is we are to acknowledge that he is our father and that he is in heaven over all things. So that's why it starts our father, which art in heaven. Once again, it's not just something we repeat and move on to the next sentence. But we have to stop right there when we're praying and begin. I mean, there are scriptures. I mean, if, 
If I would have put them all in my notes, I mean, there's hundreds of scriptures, especially in the book of Psalms, about lifting up and magnifying the name of the Lord. And, and we could go on and on, and you could just, you could find some of those scriptures and just pray that psalm out loud. It's about lifting up and magnifying the Lord and acknowledging, you're my father, I can't do this. You're my father, you're in heaven. He's, the Bible says he, he, in, he inhabits the heaven and the heaven of heavens. He, I mean, he's infinite. I mean, that, he's even beyond infinite. He's everywhere all at the same time. And so we need to acknowledge him because you know what? Be honest with you, out there in that world, there's people that are cussing and using his name in vain all day long. Like I used to do before I come to the knowledge of the truth. And I sometimes when I pray and I pray, God, shut the mouths of those people that are fixing to use your name in vain, that are fixing to use your name as a curse and a foul word. Bring, give conviction to them so that they'll shut their mouth. And I know he can do that. I didn't even pray for that lady that I met that's two doors down from me. Man, I mean, we were just, we just met. Her name's Mary. And she went to use some foul word. She wasn't going to use the name of the Lord in vain, but she went to use some other curse word to refer to the kids at the pool, and she just kind of muffled it. And I sat there and I went, I'm thinking she would have just said that out loud if I hadn't been standing here. So I thought it has to be the Holy Ghost that caused her to just, kids, you know, she just muffled it. I knew what she was trying to say, but she muffled it. And I didn't, I didn't say anything to her. I didn't give her the impression that I was holier than thou or anything, but God did that. So I, I pray that God... He, if he can take those words out of my mouth and out of your mouth, if you used to talk like that, he can do that for anybody. He's ready to. So we've got to acknowledge our Father first. Okay? Psalms, I'll give you some examples. Psalms 45, 6, and 7 says, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is, is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. We need to encourage ourselves that he is our father and that we, we need to acknowledge him. Father, you're, you are Lord of all. And we, we need to just lift him up. That's what we do when we praise him. We lift up and magnify the name of Jesus in the earth. Psalm 68, 4 through 5 says, Sing unto, unto God, sing praises to his name. Extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name, Jah. And rejoice before him, a father of the fatherless, a judge of the widows, is God in his holy habitation. I mean, just that scripture right there could minister to so many people that are fatherless, that, that are widows. You know, I mean, these scriptures are so powerful. Psalm sixty-eight thirty-three, To him that rideth upon the heavens of heavens, which were of old, lo, he doth send out his voice, and that a mighty voice. And those are just a few examples. We need to magnify and lift up and glorify the name of Jesus. And there's just, I mean, you're going to have to get into some of this and dig into some of this for yourself and, and, and just see what the Lord, how we just need to, we know he's powerful, but we need to verbalize, verbalize it. We need to acknowledge it. That's why that first sentence is there. Our father, you're my father. Make it personal. You're my father. You're in heaven. Hallowed be your name. And and I was kind of studying that word hallowed, and in in the Greek it actually is like like a verb, 
And it's more of like a command. Like, Lord, I command that your name be hallowed. Not just, gee, we hope your name is hallowed in the earth, Lord. No. He's wanting us to speak it like that, like it's a command, like, Father, I hallow your name, and I command that your name be hallowed out of the mouth of every individual, whether they're in church or not, that your name would be hallowed and not cursed and used as a swear word. It, it needs to grieve us that people are doing that. They're talking about our Father. Amen? Ephesians 4 and 6 says, One God and one Father who is above all, through all, and in you all. Our Father is in us. He walks with us. He talks with us. He dwells in us. Amen? So we need to lift Him up and acknowledge Him in a world that doesn't... Some, In most cases, they don't know better. So let it be a teachable moment. You know, we don't have to be rude and obnoxious about it. But we can lift Him up. I mean, there's there's times where I have heard been in a crowd and heard somebody cursing, and it just about brought me to tears, using the name of the Lord in vain. And I just, under my breath sometimes, and I would start praying, God, you're great, you're wonderful, and I don't, that, what that, whatever that guy's saying is wrong. You're the mighty God. You're the everlasting Father. You're the Prince of Peace. I, you know, we need to lift him up. Number two. We are praying for his name to be manifested in the earth that it might be magnified, sanctified, and lifted up in the sight of all mankind and that the will of God and all the glory that is, and that it will be given all the glory that is due unto his name. Amen. Uh, Psalms 95 and 3, Romans 11, I mean 1136. 2 Chronicles 20 and 6 says, And said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven, and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? And John 12 and 32 says, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw on men unto me. So we've got to elevate his name. We've got to, to lift up that worthy name of Jesus, the name that's above every name, that, that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess one day. Every knee, every knee, every NBA basketball player, every NFL football player, every individual, that, that every world leader is going to bow their knee whether they want to or not. And so I want to make sure that I'm lifting up his name now on this earth because that's all I'm going to be doing when I get up there. All glory and honor and power and majesty. We're just going to be praying, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of his glory. Amen. We have, you know, when, when the prophet prayed and his servant saw the, the host of angels that surrounded them, sometimes we need, I believe we need to see something like that. Because I believe that those hosts of angels around us, that if we could see them, it would blow our minds to realize what is what what do we have at our disposal? If we just lift up his name, you know, they lifted up that serpent on the pole in the Old Testament that the people might be saved from the snake bites. And and that was a type and that was a picture of lifting Jesus up on the cross when he was lifted up. He said he would draw men unto him. He, we, we've been drawn to him. Amen? Number three, real quick, we'll try to finish this part up today. 
We are praying for his will to be loosed in the, into the earth. As he has already purposed it in heaven to be accomplished by those who choose to follow him. And, and that, that part of the verse says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the other, uh, in the Luke, it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done so as on earth, so in heaven, or as in heaven, so on earth. So God's already got a will and a plan and a purpose. He already knows what he's going to do. He's waiting for us to pray it into existence. Amen. We've been praying that prayer that, that Brother Parker brought. We've been binding and loosing and we've been commanding that the things, the good things of God be loosed in this city and that the things that the devil owns be taken away from him and brought into the church. We need to pray those kind of prayers. Amen. We, there are angels encamped around about them. The Bible says that fear him. So we, we dispatch those angels. He's given us that authority to do that. Amen. You know, when these guys that go over in these foreign countries and carry Bibles and stuff in, and the, even Brother Bernard was talking about it, they didn't go to the third pocket of his briefcase to see what he was carrying into this particular country. Because God stopped them right there. He, or he covered their eyes so they wouldn't see it or whatever. Amen. And how did that happen? It didn't just happen. They, they prayed, Lord, you, we feel like you directed us to do this, so you're going to have to kind of run interference for us, okay? And he did. And I, the one individual in my life took a whole suitcase full of Bibles into one of those countries, and they opened the suitcase right there in front of him. And they, they flipped the thing over and looked at it, and, and he said, God must have let him see textbooks or something. Because every one of them said, Bible, 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 Bible. And they closed the suitcase up and zipped it up and they went on. <laughs> Only God can do something like that. But, it, but they, had to have, they had to have a prayer meeting. They had to know that this was what God was directing them to do. Amen? I hope this is all right. Um, so we are to pray really quickly. I'll give you a couple of scriptures on number three there. We are to pray for the power and the authority of God's kingdom to be manifested in the earth. We're releasing his kingdom. We're releasing his power when we pray. Matthew 6 and 10 says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, the Young's literal translation of that verse says, Thy reign come. Thy will come to pass as in heaven as also on earth. Kings reign over their kingdoms. If you take that word kingdom and you break it down, it's really saying king's dominion. So it's the king's dominion. It's his dominion, his authority, his power. The devil doesn't have any authority. I mean, he does temporarily. He's got a, a little space of time where he is the God of this world, right? The Bible says that. He is the God of this world. I, I will acknowledge that. But that's as far as I'll go. We have all authority and power and dominion. He can't make a move. He, matter of fact, he's afraid of us because of prayer. He is really afraid of us because we can bind and loose. We can loose angels and we can bind devils and we can just make his life miserable. Amen. We don't have to put up with that stuff from him. Romans 14 and 7. For that kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but not satisfying our personal wants or desires, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. We've, we've got his kingdom 
living inside of us. The disciples wanted a real natural kingdom where they could sit on real thrones and be in charge of of the realm, so to speak, in the natural. But Jesus was saying, no, 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 no. I'm sending my kingdom to live inside of you. We've got his kingdom dwelling in us. And so whenever we add a soul, really quickly, whenever we bring somebody to the knowledge of of this truth, when we preach the gospel and we teach them a Bible study and and we watch their eyes open and go, yeah, I see that. We just added another soldier to the army. We just expanded the kingdom of God. So when we pray that prayer, what we're saying is thy kingdom come on this earth. Thy will be done. You already know what your will is. You already know that that your kingdom is going to be expanded. Let me be a part of that. Use me as a vessel to bring that to pass on this earth as it's already been done in heaven. He already knows what he's going to do. We just He's waiting for us to, to bring it to pass. Amen. Just think about the pattern of, of soul winning. One of, somebody had to teach us a Bible study. Somebody had to sit us down. We had to go home scratching our head going, wow, there is something to that. Because somebody, once we left, somebody was praying and interceding and weeping and travailing for our soul. God, open their eyes. God, we pray that prayer all the time here. You know, we, we could go out there and try to drag them out of their houses physically. What would they do? They would resist. And we could try knocking on doors, but really what's going to get them out of their house? The same thing got me into the house of God was somebody prayed for me. And so that's what it's going to take is prayer. And we'll pick this up. Uh, next week, God bless you, and we're going to take a 10-minute break and come back in here, worship and magnify the Lord, and hear what the Lord has to speak to us today through the man of God. Praise.